Hello, you beautiful people out there in podcast land. My name is Paul Workman. And I am Zach McCoy. And we are travelers this evening. <laughs> but with Trav, we are your Oscar Grouches, and welcome to the Oscar Podcast Thursday show, Thursday where we take a look at the great perennial Oscar bridesmaid and knower of cinema, Mr. Martin Scorsese. And what are we watching this week, Zach? We are watching Bob Dylan, No Direction Home. Uh, it's a documentary. It's the Bob Dylan origin story covering his early years and up through his massive popularity and cultural significance in the 1960s music and political scene. Uh, I believe this was intended as a prequel to The Last Waltz. It certainly feels that way. Okay, it wasn't intended that way. But... <laughs> All right. Uh, is this uh, your first time seeing this? As I've said with several other things, it's my first time watching it completely, but I've seen several of the interview portions and the musical performances, but I, I've never sat down and watched it front to back. I, I'm i the same. That was my first time. Uh, when, when, I went to go, when I went to go watch it on Netflix mm -hmm. this past time, I clicked on the picture. And it came up in the little like window, and apparently I had watched half of it on Netflix at some point before. <laughs> uh, probably in like a, a Scorsese uh, bit of time, yeah, because I, I have those. Yeah. Um. So yeah, first time for me as well. Uh, I we don't have an Oscar breakdown because it is uh, it was premiered on TV. Mm hmm. Uh, as part of PBS's American Master series in the U.S., and as part of the Arena series on BBC Two in the U.K. Nice. Uh, so I don't have an Oscar breakdown, but I do have. Uh, apparently, this received a Peabody Award in 2006, Ooh. Uh, and a Columbia Dupont Award in January of 2007, which honors excellence in broadcast and digital journalism and public service. It's considered one of the most prestigious awards in journalism. Nice. And Martin Scorsese himself got a Grammy for direction of best long form video. Oh, hell yeah. I was not aware. It is not without its accolades. So he's got the G so far. We'll see what happens later. Yeah. <laughs> so... So where do we start on No Direction Home, Bob Dylan? <laughs> where do we start? Yeah, you know, we shared some uh, minor thoughts on Dylan because we've talked about him before, like on the last waltz, and um, I uh, I really, I really love this. Like, yeah, <laughs> I'm. I mean. <sighs> Put Dylan aside. I'm just a sucker for a rock doc. I love right, right. Behind the music was like my favorite show in high school. Absolutely, me too. <laughs> I'm there anytime. Uh, I'll, like I even watched Behind the Music on like Creed. I hate Creed, <laughs> but I watched it because yeah, I just love it. I love a good rock doc. I like I like learning about musicians and how they get where they get. And yes. Uh, and it's a, it's really well made. It's a, it's, I, I was noticing that Thelma wasn't the editor, but it's well edited and mm -hmm. um, chronological and it tells a story and it 
it doesn't have an overlapping i don't really remember any narration really there's no narration is this no, just inter- no. interviews and yeah yeah the closest we get to narration is there's one scene where dylan was given some kind of like pretentious award and he got up and talked about how he enjoyed being young and how all old people need to shut up and get out of his way and <laughs> apparently that pissed a bunch of people off and they didn't have a recording of that so it was just marty doing yeah doing the transcript of the speech mm-hmm. that's close as we get to any kind of narration yeah so like we said trav isn't here he's off being a good father and uh, you know wish by the time this comes out you know everything will be good um i hope so but uh it would have been we'll, we'll see what he thinks next week because i don't think he no, he's not not into Dylan. I I know he likes rock documentaries too, but I got the feeling maybe he was thinking this was too long for him. That's a possibility. Um, but yeah, I feel I would have loved to see this even like as a five part miniseries, a five hour thing uh, that yeah, give it the blues treatment from the other week where he's got seven yeah. episodes. <laughs> now I'm I'm not sure uh what we've got coming up exactly or what uh, time periods. I guess Rolling Thunder review will probably be like a sequel to this. Yeah, um, I think at the end of this, they he says that he doesn't tour for like nine years or something like that. And I mm. think the Rolling Thunder review is around the time he starts touring again. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe a year or two after. I've mentioned before that I went through a period where I was like uh, finishing up high school, getting into college, where I was discovering quote-unquote older music and i got into bob dylan and i picked up all his records and i um even if he's not someone i listen to frequently now it's i still go back to certain albums um and blood on the tracks is probably my favorite album so i look forward to seeing um blowing thunder review because i think that's around the time blood on the tracks comes out i'm a i'm a blonde on blonde guy myself i do like blonde on the blonde yeah so so i I, yeah i'll I'll say i I like the narrative arc this takes because we open Mm -hmm. essentially with dylan going electric Mm -hmm. as it were and performing like a rolling stone which the name of the film is taken from right um and you hear him in that song to a chorus of boobs right so and then they interview all these young people as they're filing out and <laughs> rubbish it's Crap. rubbish I, I i don't like that he that he did so much on his harmonica and we didn't pay to see a band a pop band we paid to see bob dylan and <laughs> so so we set up essentially we're we're going to end yeah uh because it as you said this is more of an origin story this is following him from from childhood his 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 interest in music to getting into playing music to becoming a musician to becoming the voice of a generation quote unquote uh and then forsaking his folk roots to play a more electric rock sound yeah um and we end there mm-hmm. uh so so we we get the ending first as if to say 
you know, this is the Dylan that a lot of you probably know, but yeah, but this is not the Dylan that this generation cared for. Right. It's like, yeah, that's me. You're probably wondering how I got there. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So I I like that. That's, that's a a narrative through line to this is them continuously going back to his later electric shows and the poor reaction that he got from, and from a lot of the interviews that we hear from like one third of the crowd. Right. Right, because they show other people like the the really young from from the looks of it, who are probably more uh, accepting of the rock and roll sound. Are like, Bob, we love you. Make sure you come back. And they show that, and um, but yeah, I I've always known a fair bit about Bob Dylan, but I didn't know a whole lot about his New York years um, when after he left Minnesota and started touring like the the clubs and I guess might call them coffee shops now or whatever but yeah so I was interested in that and a lot of the friendships and connections oh, it's kind of hard to say friendships he doesn't seem like a person who has a lot of friendships he like not that he collects people either but like they just like they said people would gravitate towards him because he was kind of a magnetic personality and they'd ride along with him for a while and other than Joan Baez, I, I don't know if anybody, you know, even she had a period where she kind of disconnected from him, but mm-hmm. I don't know if he has a long-standing friendship with too many of these folks. You know, they all want to be on camera talking about him, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's no, got to say something. Yeah, nobody really speaks ill of him, but it, it does seem like he's always kind of a closed-off person. It. A, a lot of a lot of what I get from the people that speak in this movie is, well, that was Bob and Bob's Bob. And what are you going to do? Yep. <laughs> yeah. I love the uh, the interview portions with him just messing with the, the press. Um, oh, God, those are so fun. <laughs> I, I call him the original Marshawn Lynch, just the way he wouldn't give an answer or he'd just give a one sentence answer. And I mean he wasn't necessarily trying to be funny all the time, but Mm -hmm. the things he said were funny and I'm sure frustrated people. Yeah. But he's always been consistent as far as, you know, you're not going to put a label on me and it's who he is. Yeah. yeah. I I just like, I like how intimate a lot of this feels. I like that. Uh, I like a lot of the people they get to talk to. Ginsburg yeah. was really interesting to listen to. Mm-hmm. Pete Seeger is one of my favorite artists. Yeah. I love listening to him, even if he is going to cut the cables on Dylan. <laughs> yeah. And I, I didn't really know a whole lot about Woody Guthrie towards the end of his life either. So that was something oh, God, I learned. Woody, Woody Guthrie's like Bob Dylan makes it sound like Woody Guthrie like was being held against his will and, an insane asylum but Woody Guthrie's life is very sad mm. like he he deteriorates mentally and him and his mother have like the same mental deterioration and oh. it caused it caused him to be kind of a wandering soul because he's just wired differently so by by the time he's in the hospital and bob dylan goes to see him woody guthrie is hardly the human being that woody guthrie was in his songwriting days right 
uh, yeah, and I Woody Guthrie is probably my favorite songwriter. I mean, that's that's kind of a cliche thing to say because he's the most prolific songwriter in the in the history of America, right? But yeah, his his life is rough. It's, what was what was that film back from the seventies that we uh, talked Bound about? Bound for Glory. Yeah, that's it. Starring David Carradine. That's right. Yeah, and that one, that one kind of ends before. Yeah, it like you said. I think you'd mentioned it. Like it took some liberties, and you know, mm-hmm. it, was, it was a good movie, but maybe not completely accurate. Yeah, uh, yeah. Woody Guthrie is a big hero of mine. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know how to how to really talk yeah. much more about this. It's, I, it's hard to you know. We could talk about. There's a lot of his, you know, classic songs interlaced throughout. Um, it's a, you know, that's a standard for a rock documentary. You get interviews and flashbacks and interject some concert footage and some songs. And um, and it helps if you like the music, and I do. So that made it enjoyable for me. And I like just seeing the consistency of Dylan always rejecting the labels and, and never wanting to accept this mantle of voice of a generation. I mean, I know eventually, you know, in the modern days, he receives his presidential medal of freedom or whatever he got. uh, Mm -hmm. And then he wins the Nobel prize for literature. It's like he has these accolades and he's like, okay, I'll take them. Um, (laughs) Thanks. But you know, I'm not going to necessarily perform how you want me to. I'm not going to suck on my glasses. What the heck was that? Yeah. How about you suck on my glasses? <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember what the name of the drummer was that they introduced in this. Um, oh, yeah. So I like a lot of these, uh, a lot of these interviews are apparently from about 1995. Uh-huh. Like Dylan, Dylan himself is from 2000. Okay. They recorded a lot of uh, uh, Jeff Rosen, who's one of the producers on this, did most of these interviews and compiled them and brought Scorsese in to kind of shape it. And Scorsese didn't come until 2001, so all the interviews are done by the time he gets on there. Okay. But there's the one guy with the long beard. Yeah. um... who's, Who's a drummer. Bob Dylan's talking about the band backing him up. Right. This guy wasn't um I'm trying to look at the list. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, I I was looking at him and I recognized him from a bunch of things including the show Home Improvement. When he popped up, I was like, "Oh, man, I remember when he used to be on Home Improvement." And then I started looking at where they were interviewing him. Uh-huh. It was the Home Improvement set. <laughs> He's sitting on the set of Tool Time from Home Improvement. Amazing. <laughs> and and to me, I was thinking, oh, man, this was this is from 2005. There's no way. But then finding out that the interviews are from like 1995, like, yeah, that's like height of home improvement. So, yep. Yep. Yeah. I was wondering. I mean, obviously, uh, some of them look a little older, um, especially dude in the, the basement. Was that uh, Jeff? Who Who's the guy in the basement? Was that? Uh... Oh, yeah. The <sighs> one from um, was he from Folkways? I think so. Anyway, yeah, keep keeping most of the, keeping all of them straight. Hard to do sometimes. It's three and a half hour documentary, <laughs> three and a half hour documentary. Very interesting stuff. You know, the 
the politics of it and just uh, I, a lot of people I know uh, and Trav perhaps included just think of Bob Dylan as boring you know don't like his music I, even if you don't like it people make fun of his voice or whatever I mean I just he is uh, and always has been a great writer and mm-hmm. um, rejected that notion that he was significant significant or important he said you know he never wanted the the fame he just wanted to play music and try to say write something good or interesting mm-hmm. just compelled to be a musician right and it was other people that said hey what does this mean why are you doing this what what change do you want to cause and it's not what he was there for right but like the, i think you know what was the quote about uh the governor in Texas that they had to go get him under the bridge was that back around the Alamo times. Yeah. He became, wasn't Davy Crockett. Was it? No, it was the other guy or something. <laughs> Sam Houston. Maybe, but they, they uh, said they had to go pick him up and have him be, be the governor. And he didn't want to do it, but he was a great governor anyway, because he was the one they needed, not the one who wanted the job. Right. Something like that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, always the hero's journey, refusal to call and all that. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's uh, some funny relevance to to the whole idea of selling out. You know, <laughs> you see it, you still see it. Anybody who changes their sound in a way that the uh, fan base doesn't like, even though retrospectively, these the albums where he went electric are considered some of his greatest work and. Um, people came around to it in one way or another, unless you really were like a folk purist and you just couldn't stand it. But right. it's always funny. And, and to me, I, I've always stood very firmly on like, it, it's bands that go from one extreme to another are the ones that I generally don't tend to enjoy when they get the mainstream success. And, you know, like AFI to me was always one of those bands. They were, they were hardcore band. Mm-hmm. They, they wrote like four chord punk that was really driving and fast and angry and you could get to a, to a mosh pit and get punched in the face over and then <laughs> as soon as they get signed to a major lo- label they're all of a sudden screamo but it isn't like they didn't have their horror punk albums in between like Art of Drowning and Black Sails and the Sunset that set that trajectory up mm-hmm. so you know, I like everything that's the bridge, but I'm not a screamo guy. So, so I get, I get the anger if you're like, I like a guitar and a person singing and that's the thing I like. And now he's got drums and an organ and he sounds (laughs) like a pop band. I guess I get it. But to me, the deviation isn't great enough to be like, he's doing the same shit just with an electric guitar now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I guess, uh, you know, when I, as I listen to his album, it's not as glaring as perhaps the switch in the middle of a concert like he did. I, I can, but still, those people were uh, a little something. Yeah, oh, that calling him Judas was pretty extreme. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe you. I'm such an admirer of Dylan. The the reason that everything, whenever I pick up a guitar, everything becomes a Dylan song is because. I respect him and I love him and he's distinctive and his voice is just fun to do. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. It's really kind of hard to talk about, um, beyond that. It's, uh, 
Yeah. If, if you care about the history of music and uh, any interest vaguely in 60s culture, it's kind of an essential thing. Yeah. Also, it made me want to watch a couple of other movies, too. Oh, yeah? I like when a movie makes me want to watch other movies and not make me wish I was watching those movies instead. Right. Um, it's like, oh, you know what would be great companion pieces to this? I, I love to rewatch The Last Waltz right now. Uh-huh. Because that's incredible. And like I said, this is this is a prequel to that. Uh, I'd love to. I I thought about uh, rewatching um, Todd Haynes's "I'm Not There." Exactly. Yeah. Oh God, it's such a good, such a good film. Yeah, especially. Um, I don't remember if I had exactly seen the actual footage of of um, Dylan, the scene that Kate Blanchett does, where she's like, mm-hmm. "How can you have, ask me that? Did you ask the Beatles that?" And she did that. So spot on. So wonderfully. God, she's amazing. And that is a great movie. But I, I love the idea that that they ask her to do that spot on, but everybody, you know, there, there's so many different interpretations <laughs> right. of him. Right. That that even when like Richard Gere's just kind of sauntering through uh like a Wild West scene. Mm-hmm it doesn't feel like it's a betrayal of Dylan. Right. And then of course the, the last film I thought of it spent a lot during this movie was inside Lewin Davis. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, it's a film that breaks my heart and I, I love it. Yeah. Um, it was also nice to see, you know, with Johnny cash there. Oh God. Was, yeah. Yeah. I'm a, and I'm a big Johnny Cash guy. Yep. Ever show you the picture of me in Sun Studio? I don't recall, but you'll have, have to, to show me. I'll have to. I'll have to find it. Actually, I got to. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Anyway. So, any more oh, notes? I think that's it. Um, like I said, it'll be interesting to get some some thoughts from Trav when he comes back because wonder what he'll think. I wonder too. I've avoided looking at Letterboxd to see what he rated it. <laughs> I know what he rated it on Letterboxd, but I won't Uh-oh. tell you. Okay. Uh, just like, all right. So, uh, we're going to get on to our worsty judgments. Where's this sitting on your Thursday's ranking? Well, this is going to be a five star for me, and it's my new number five. Five mm-hmm. stars at number five. So, my top five. Five stars. Very nice. Yeah, we've got um, Goodfellas, Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, Casino, and then this one. How about you? Uh, I also gave this five stars. Five star footlong. I think this is an incredible documentary, and I think everybody who's interested in this should watch it. Yeah. No, I'll leave it at that. If you haven't seen this and you like Bob, like you said, if you like Bob Dylan, if you like 60s culture what uh you know in any of those little niche categories watch this it's great yep uh it is my number 11 cool i have it just under casino and just above the neighborhood yeah perfect all right well we're gonna call it there uh zach thanks for joining us (laughs) glad to be here (laughs) Uh, Trav, we miss you, buddy. 
Yeah. We miss you so much. We're going to thank you. We're going to thank you for producing our show. Indeed. We're also going to thank Chad Ramsey for our most excellent theme song. We're going to thank Megan and Jay Bellevue for our beautiful artwork. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Oscar Rusty Pod and on Facebook and the Oscar Rusty Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a nice five-star review like we're sure Trav is going to do for No Direction Home when we hear from him next week. How many stars must a man leave there? Excellent. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. So, for Trav, Zach, and I've really... Trav, you've thrown off our rhythm. Because I threw off Paul, I think. Because he's supposed to ask me a question. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And before uh, we finally wrap this up, (laughs) Zach, what are we watching next week? Next week, we're doing a crossover with the main series because The Departed won Best Picture. So... Check that out, yeah, on Wednesday. And on this episode, we're going to be watching Infernal Affairs. Oh, my God. The uh, Hong Kong film inspired The Departed. And you can um, rent that on Google or YouTube. Excellent. Yeah. So, for Trap, Zach, and the great Mavis Staples, who we didn't mention. Oh, yes. Oh, she's so wonderful. I love her so much. We would like for you all to have a damn fine day.